How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Hawk Sense. I am your host, Alex Nicolau, and in this week's episode, we're going to be reviewing Thor Love and Thunder. But before we get started, guys, this is the 20th ever episode of Hawk Sense, so clap it up, clap it up. But I am just very, very excited to share this moment with you guys. I unfortunately had a huge plan, but it all kind of crumbled together. I got everybody in the studio. I brought sandwiches and everything for a little bit of a party for the 20th ever episode of the first podcast in Red Hawk Media, but the audio was terrible. (laughs) Uh, We filmed a visual podcast, and it looked great. Everything was great, but the audio was so bad, and I just could not save it. So unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do that for the 20th episode, but I still want to share a few words. I just want to say thank you to everybody who listens to the podcast. It really does mean a lot to me. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but I've been producing media since I was around like 12 or 13 years old, and I have never, ever felt so accomplished and proud of a project like I do with Hawksense. So I just wanted to say thank you, everyone, for listening to the show and hopefully enjoying it. Also, special shout out to all my friends at Red Hawk Media, Patrick to David, Cicely, Wolf, John, Matt, Caleb, Blue, Ethan, and, you know, everybody else. It's kind of bittersweet to not be able to think of everybody's names at the moment because before Hawksense, Red Hawk Media was merely an idea and now we have built something that I am very proud of so I just want to say thank you. But anyways guys, let's get into my review of Thor Love and Thunder and of course the first half of the podcast will be spoiler free for those who have not seen the movie yet and the second half will have some spoilers with it and I will let you know when we get there. Thor Love and Thunder is a classic superhero film with awesome action, comedy, a great story, lots of heart, and even some heartbreak. I wouldn't listen to critics or even anyone saying anything negative online because from the looks of it, most people who did not like the film expected something completely different. But it is exactly as I said, a classic superhero film. They introduce Gore the God Butcher and his origin and then talk about what Thor has been up to post-Endgame and I won't say anything else you know, as to not spoil anything, but it just feels like this movie was to set up what is coming in the future. Christian Bale was fantastic and very disturbing in the role of Gore the God Butcher, but I will admit he did kind of get less screen time than I wanted him to. Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie was a little bit underwhelming as well, and I felt as if her role was just trying to be more than it was. But then we get to Natalie Portman as Mighty Thor or Jane Foster and her portrayal was very satisfying and a, like it felt like a breath of fresh air and it was very great for this movie and her performance was fantastic. And then the big guy himself, Chris Hemsworth man, does it again and continues to show how good of a character Thor is and how he still has a purpose in the MCU 11 years later after his introduction. One thing I will say is that the comedy in this movie did overthrow some parts of the movie that were supposed to be more serious, but honestly it really wasn't as bad as people are saying online right now, but I overall enjoyed the movie, it was very fun, it was was a pretty great movie, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for all the characters in this movie, because... And I hope this doesn't spoil anything, but this won't be the last time we see gods in the MCU and we will talk about that more in my spoiler review. But anyways, my official unofficial rating of Thor Love and Thunder is an 8 out of 10. This is your final warning. We will be talking about spoilers for Thor Love and Thunder in the next part of the podcast. This is your last warning. 3, 2, 1. I honestly think there aren't as many spoilers and things to talk about because, as I keep saying, this movie is just so classic. It does everything most superhero movies do. It sets up the villain, talks about the hero, has a conflict with the villain, they fight, the hero wins, and then they move on. Like, it's just so classic. You can't really spoil anything. But I would love to talk about some of the hate that this movie is getting, and I think 
you know, the biggest one I see is people talking about how uh, there's so much comedy in the movie and it, it, it makes all the serious moments like like you can't really feel them because of all the comedy. And I, I totally agree with that. Uh, someone on Twitter, uh, I'm trying to remember the tweet, so sorry if it, this comes out like <laughs> illiterate, um, how Marvel fans will never be satisfied with a movie such as The Dark Knight because they keep settling for mediocrity such as Moon Knight and Thor Love and Thunder. I don't agree with that at all, but I do agree with the fact that characters such as Moon Knight and a whole lot of other characters are really dark, and some of the darkness was just masked over with comedy. So I do think that is one thing they need to try and fix as they continue to produce shows and movies with characters that are a little bit darker, because thinking back on it, Moon Knight had a lot more comedy than I think it should have. And I think they keep getting this idea to do it over and over and over again is because it works for some characters. Spider-Man, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, they're all funny characters with deep, dark moments, but it works for them because they are like that in the comics. But it doesn't work for all the characters. But other than that, I do want to talk about Christian Bale's performance as Gore the God of Butcher because it was great. But as I said in the spoiler-free uh, review, it was so limited, and I felt like there could have been so much more to that character, and I just feel like, what a waste. You got Christian Bale to play this character? That's the only character you're going to have him play in the MCU? Like, it, it, it was so little, and I wanted so much more. I do want to talk about our theory about the all-black Necrosword. I don't know if you guys remember from many podcasts ago, we talked about how his sword, the all-black Necrosword, comes from Clintar, which is the planet of the symbiotes made by null uh you know the king of the symbiotes like you know venom symbiote um so we wondered if he would get it straight from clintar from null or they would change the story they didn't change the story and he didn't get it straight from clintar but there is still a huge possibility that that sword came from clintar because he just found it off somebody but those monsters that he created using the sword they called them shadow monsters, but those looked like symbiotes to me. Other than those few flaws, it really isn't a bad movie at all. Everybody is giving it such a hard time, but it isn't bad at all. I would go to say that it is the second best Thor movie, and I'm, I'm honestly glad they did not kill Chris Hemsworth's Thor off, because I feel as if he has so much more to accomplish in the MCU. Natalie Portman's Jane Foster was great. Love to see her back in the role as Jane Foster. Uh, I think... Her ending was great if it was an ending. I know the post-credits scene kind of left things a little bit hazy because she could return, she could not return. I would like to see her return if she wanted to, but if she wasn't up for it and maybe felt it was time to let this character go, I would respect that, and I think the way they sent her off was pretty great. Visually, the CGI and VFX were, were pretty great. I mean, it's pretty average and pretty good. Um, one thing I do want to like speak on a little bit is I've heard that VFX people have been calling like Marvel bad customers and saying that their their work conditions are harsh because of like deadlines and rushing and stuff like that and you know I I really feel bad for Marvel because I don't think they're you know they're they're trying to be bad customers I just think with this difficult time because you know I don't think we've ever noticed huge CGI problems until before the pandemic. So what I think is going on here is that they're trying to rush and get these movies out that they've been producing and holding for a while. So they're like they're rushing the CGI people and the VFX people because those guys are usually one of the one of the last people to work because they have to film everything, they have to mocap everything. So like it's is I feel like it's a huge mix up because of the pandemic because who knows if 
you know, the VFX people had their supercomputers and all the right equipment to work from home, you know, so uh, I hope that all resolves when everybody gets back in, you know, the studios and whatnot, but for Thor Love and Thunder, the VFX were pretty average, they're alright, like, there were characters such as Korg who are, like, almost 100% CGI, so it's harder to get them, you know, perfect in every single frame, so that's understandable, and there was that one shot of uh, Astrid or Axel, uh, Heimdall's son, where a lot of people are baking on on Twitter right now, but I don't know, I mean, that shot was taken from a phone off of the, the movie screen, so I don't remember it to be as bad as people are looking at it to be, but um, yeah, I mean, the CGI was pretty alright, it was very average, I'd say. There was also some absolute great action in this movie. I feel like a lot of people are leaving that part out. We have the one in the beginning with the Guardians. Then we go to New Asgard. Then we go to Omnipotence with the God fight. Then we go to the Shadow Realm. And then they go to, uh, you know, Eternity at the end and fight. Like, it's there was such great action. They utilized everybody's abilities so well. Especially Thor with Stormbreaker and Jane with this new reformed you know, Mjolnir that has new abilities to it, and it was just, it was honestly some great action. Oh, but I totally forgot about the flashbacks where Jane and uh, Thor were living together on Earth. Like, uh, I know 3C Films called it like an SNL skit, and I would have to 100% agree. That's where that comedy just overdrives the uh, the serious moments in the movie because it really was like an SNL skit. But um, you know, that's just like. I totally forgot about that part, but yeah, I mean, it was it wasn't that bad, but like, yeah, I, I can see a problem with that. I do want to talk about the Guardians appearance in this movie. I think it was perfect. It wasn't too short. It wasn't too long. I think they were in it for the perfect amount of time, and the way they left off was just great. I mean, they're going on their own journey now to find Gamora and whatnot. I'm very excited for Guardians 3, so we'll see where that leads them, but like I said, yeah, it was just like a perfect time they were in the movie. I really like the scene in Omnipotence because we just got to see a bunch of the gods that take place inside the MCU, including the the Bao God. He's literally Bao, like Chinese Bao. But then we have the main man himself, Zeus, played by Russell Crowe. And uh, I, like, if I'm being honest, I'm not a huge fan of the portrayal of Zeus in the MCU right now. But it's what comes after him, which is Hercules, which I'm very, very excited for. And we'll talk about more right now. So I knew we were going to see Hercules in one of the post credit scenes. Um, I'm very, very excited for that. You know, future of the MCU. I love Hercules. If you, I, I think I told you guys this before, but I am Greek. And uh, seeing Hercules in the MCU is going to be pretty awesome. And if I'm being honest, I did not know who was going to be playing him. But Brett Goldstein looks like a very good choice for the role of Hercules. And I can't wait for Thor 5 because it's definitely going to be... Uh, like Thor versus Hercules and at the end they're going to become best friends like they do in the comics. So I can't wait to see that side of Marvel now because we originally had the Norse gods and then we go to the Egyptian gods and now we have the Greek gods and the Bao gods and even the Cronin uh, gods. Then we have the final post credit scene where Jane Foster enters Valhalla met by Heimdall. Love Heimdall who does not love Heimdall. But this is a special because to enter Valhalla you have to die in combat in physical battle jane foster when she died was not in battle she was in thor's arms so it is a nod to the fact that people who have cancer are always fighting and are and are considered warriors in the eyes of the gods 
So overall, this movie isn't as bad as people are making it out to be. It really is the overbearing comedy in this movie that is the only problem. The action was fantastic and chemistry between all the characters was amazing as well. I think this movie ties off the journey Thor has been traveling on for these past 11 years and sets up the, a very, very bright future. But I think the movie does show that Marvel does need to improve and alter the comedy formula. But other than that, the movie was great. So for my official, unofficial spoiler review, I will be giving Thor Love and Thunder an 8.5 out of 10. But that's not all for the podcast, guys, because I did just see some rumors of what's going to be in the San Diego Comic-Con coming at the end of the month. So let's take a look. I do want to disclose that these are all pretty much rumors, so take everything I say with a grain of salt. But the first thing I think we're going to be seeing is the first ever trailer for Wakanda Forever. Now, I disclosed how I feel about this movie in the past few podcasts. I'm just worried about how this is going to be perceived without, you know, Black Panther, you know, T'Challa. So, I don't know, man. It's, it's pretty scary because I know we have some strong characters. We have the introduction of Namor the Submariner, a very great Marvel character, and he looks great. We did get some leaked concept art of that character and, like, like you know, leaked merchandise and all that kind of stuff. He does look great, but I'm just worried about what this movie is going to consist of. Next up is Secret Invasion. They're going to show a little bit of footage and then reveal the entire cast for the show. I'm kind of excited for this show. If you guys don't remember the premise, it's based on, obviously, the Secret Invasion comics, where the Skrulls invade Earth, and they take place for many, many superheroes, and you do not know who or who is not a Skrull, which is pretty cool. Next is something I'm very, very excited for. Blade, baby. Mahershala Ali will be there, you know, revealing some more information about that, and they will reveal that the main villain, Dracula, will be played by Homelander himself, Anthony Starr. And probably the one that most people are excited for, including myself, is that Ryan Reynolds will be there announcing Marvel Studios' Deadpool 3, and director Sean Levy will send in a video talking about the movie and what its premise is going to be. Then we have the Marvels, Brie Larson, Amon Vellani, and Tiana Paris will be there to show their footage of the movie, and then, uh, which is kind of crazy, Anson Mount will reprise his role as Black Bolt, and then Jodie Turner-Smith will also be reprising her role as Medusa in the post-credits of the movie, setting up another Inhuman story, which is kind of crazy. But I'm not sure how I feel about this movie, because uh, the only one I really like is Miss Marvel. I love Kamala Khan. Amon Vellani is a very talented actress, and she played great in the show. Go watch the show. It's actually very good, guys. But uh, like I said, like I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about this movie, especially because I don't know the premise. Hopefully, at the end of the month, we will get some more news about it. Here we go, baby. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. The majority of the cast will be there, and they will show some footage of the new movie, and that's pretty much it. I'm very excited for that movie. Then we have Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. We're going to be seeing some footage of the movie, and then Jonathan Majors will send a video as Kang the Conqueror. Next is something that we desperately need is World War Hulk. Now, it was originally set to be a movie, but is now being turned into a four-part series with a small theatrical release, which means the first episode could be like an hour to an hour 30 minutes, and it will be seen in movie theaters, which is really, really cool. Uh, but I'm very excited for this. We do need a change in the Hulk in the MCU. Like, Mark Ruffalo's a great actor for Bruce Banner, and his Hulk in, uh, you know, Avengers Age of Ultron and Avengers, and, you know, even in uh, Thor Ragnarok was absolutely fantastic, and we need that back. Then a brand new character announcement, Wonder Man, will be announced with Henry Golding 
starring as Simon Williams. A lot of people thought it was going to be Nathan Fillion, but nope. But something that's a little bit interesting is that Evan Peters is returning as Ralph Boner, but he may have a new name, and it's kind of like he'd be a side character in the show, which is kind of weird. Then finally, The Devil of Hell's Kitchen is back. Daredevil Man Without Fear will be announced, starring Charlie Cox and Isa Gonzalez as Elektra. And then finally, something that might be of surprise to everybody, it's kind of like the big reveal. Uh, it, it's kind of crazy. Kevin Feige will announce that a mutant-centered film with Giancarlo Esposito as Professor X, Charles Xavier, and Glenn Powell as Scott Summers. I, I, I don't even know what to say to that. Giancarlo Esposito as as Professor X is 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 really odd to me, but it could work. You know, I don't know about Glenn Powell and Scott Summers. I kind of feel bad for some of the actors in the Fox universe who aren't reprising their roles in the MCU. But, gee, man, I, I don't know. Uh, this one's really confusing to me. I, I, I mean, let's just see what happens. These are all rumors, you know. But when the time comes for San Diego Comic-Con, I will be reviewing everything that went down there from Marvel and DC. But I think that about does it for this week's podcast, everybody. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you have any questions about Red Hawk Media and maybe want to get involved, you could follow and contact us on Instagram at redhawk.media. Once again, guys, thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye.